0: and not in attending the One right Church. Let's get started. Well, hey, Scott. Hey, Mark. I wanted to talk today about what it means to be called to preach the Word of God.
1: Why do you want to talk about that?
0: It's one of those things where I was told one thing my whole life of what it meant Mm -hmm. to be called to preach the Word of God, and then as I read the Bible, I read just so many differences from from what I was told my whole life. So okay. I just think it would be worth talking about. Well, in all about.
1: fairness, I mean, this was one of the very first questions I ever had mm-hmm. about uh, followers was, you know, when I saw some people be baptized, they talked about waiting for a called man, waiting for a called man, and I could not figure out what that had to do with baptism or what that had to do with anything, really. And so that I that was my very first question about right. where you came from was, what is it about a called man? So, right. I think it's probably fair game to talk about it then.
0: Yeah, 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 no, it's a it's a good question, and we we were left waiting for this called man. We the last one who had this calling died in 1969 before I was born, and that was the thing. We were either there. There were kind of two camps at followers. There were people who were waiting for another called man. Okay, uh, and there were people who did not think we would get another called man that believed that time would end, that Jesus would return oh. before we, before that happened. Yeah. So.
1: And that was actually one of the, one of the things that uh, Walter had said, right? Was that it was going to end pretty soon. Yeah.
0: He had had a, a dream that, okay. that it would, but um, again, that was supposed to have happened before I was born too. So um, I, I I wanted to. How old you must, You
1: just seem so young. That must be what you're talking about. <laughs> no,
0: I'm, I'm 49 <laughs> years old. So oh, you're even going to tell everyone. Yeah, well, I, good for you. Okay. Hey, that's that is not the most embarrassing thing I've said about myself on this podcast. So, <laughs> um, the people always wonder, like how how could you stay in a place like that? What what would make you stay and wait for a called man? What would make you believe? that you had right to do what that. is so
1: important about a yeah. called man
0: and yeah exactly and well the importance of them is they're the only ones with the authority to preach the word of god okay they're the only ones with the authority to ordain elders they're the only ones with the authority to baptize so without this called man the the, the functions of the church at followers do not work right they, okay. they are totally different than they were with this called man. So okay. uh, one of the verses that people would use uh, was, I, I just came across it the other day and it made me think of this, but I, one of the verses that they would use was out of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verse 20. And it says, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. And they would apply that to to say that no no other man can step up and take the place of the called man of God.
1: Oh, so everyone you, else had to abide where they were. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't ascend to that role because they were already assigned in the other place. Exactly. Oh, I didn't I didn't make that connection, but I can see why somebody would. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and that um, combined with another verse that we would just take out of context of um be content in whatever state you're found Paul says in one of his letters I can't remember where right now but um that basically made it biblical for us to wait for a called man of God and just be content without one so and and I just thought that was worth bringing up because of an episode or two ago where we talked about how to read the Bible okay uh that is I know now an example of how not to read the Bible, to just take okay. this verse out. And so. so
1: when, uh, when you're talking about a called man or mm-hmm. somebody, so I had taken it, I mean, you said that other people shouldn't, you know, become the preacher because they were already assigned at role. Right. So they should stay there. But what was this, uh, what did this calling entail that you needed the man needed.
0: Right. Right. I do remember uh, being told what Walter's call was. Okay. And, um, we will, we'll talk more about that later for sure, but it was basically the same thing that Timothy was told by Paul. Um, trying to find where I had that, the, oh yeah, it's, um, second Timothy chapter three, verse two. Um, uh, Walter, according to what I was told, Walter heard these words. Uh, this was the voice of God speaking to him, okay. saying, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience. And, and teaching, yeah, it, it okay. goes on. So yeah. that, was, that was the voice of God telling him, and that was his calling.
1: So, I mean, actually, that's a calling of every preacher because mm-hmm. it's in the Bible, right, but what you're saying is that Walter's calling was special because it came by means of a vision or some kind of- ex- experience it was an, is that yes, what
0: it was an audible voice is voice. what I was told and, okay um and it it was different than what you read here, and it always confused me a little bit when i was would read this because it I was told it couldn't just come from a man, but Paul is writing those exact words to Timothy, to to preach, to lead a church. Right. Uh, so it's um, that was the calling that that Walter had.
1: So, so it really wasn't. I mean, because I would say that's calling of everybody whose responsibility it is. To preach is to preach the word in season, out season. That's this, you know, if there's a calling it's that. Yeah. But what you're saying though, that made Walter special is that no one else could, um, you know, also do was that he had, he had it by means of a supernatural, uh, you know, vision or revelation right. that was in addition to the Bible. Right. And if you didn't have it in addition to the Bible, it didn't count.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah okay
0: and it it made me question as as a kid I mean I I would I never confess this to anybody at followers but I had or do this we th- hear it here first yeah is that you're what you're hearing okay. it first but I always had the question how do you know he really did and I don't mean just Walter but if anyone who says they have this experience mm-hmm. and it's outside of what the Bible's saying I I just had the thought of couldn't couldn't you fake that? What if the wrong person says they had the same thing happen to them? You know, mm-hmm. that, that was just a question I always had growing up. But
1: it's- But you just let that sit there. Because, I, and I think that's a reasonable question. I mean, I would have that question too. As, you know, and it's interesting that 1 Corinthians 7.20 keeps other people away from faking it, you might say. Right. Uh, because it tells them to be content where they are. That's really yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, and I, as we're saying this, I'm remembering there was a man that believed that he had a calling to preach okay. the Word while Walter was still alive, but he went to Walter to see if he really did. Okay. If, so for him, the the experience wasn't enough. He needed confirmation from Walter, and he didn't get it. I was told... Uh, This man will never preach because Walter said he didn't have a calling. So Walter's calling gave him the authority to tell anyone else if they had one or not. His supernatural
1: uh, experience gave him the authority to decide if other people had an appropriate supernatural experience.
0: Right. Okay. So why is this problem? (laughs) <laughs> why is this a problem well it it's a problem because it's what this has has left the followers with is no leadership um no no real hope for leadership um my my family was in the camp of time will end okay that that we won't get more leadership and they seem to be Content with that. Um, my dad changed later that I remember, but I, I mostly talked to my mom, and it was mm-hmm. she was definitely in the camp of, um, yeah, Walter's dream. We just don't understand it yet, but it's time is just going to end, and so there's a problem I think when we're when we use, for example, when you use First Corinthians seven twenty to get you to ignore Second Timothy three. You know this this calling to preach the word, or okay. or all the other things in the Bible that um, tell us it, We really had a separation in a lot of places. Like the office of a preacher, this part of the Bible applies to them and not to us, because we're just the we're just the people in the pews. You know, we're just the church members. We're not we're not supernaturally okay. called, so it it leads to all kinds of problems.
1: Well, it's probably worth just hitting pause for a second mm-hmm. and saying, "Let uh, every man abide in the same calling wherein he's called." Let's let's just put a pause on this discussion yeah. and use that verse for a minute, right? Because mm-hmm. what's that verse? What's that verse talking about? I mean, if you apply some of the rules that we had talked about before, the approach of scripture, he was talking about a particular thing there, yeah. not at all about ministry, not right. at all about what um is going to um you know what you need to to preach or anything like that he's talking about whether or not you're married he's talking about whether or not you're circumcised right and you know i mean i imagine that probably at that level no one would really you know fight about it but that that's what he's talking about and so yeah That that's to to take that and apply it to to ministry or to another you know apostleship or whatever is you know you might as well take something out of um, I don't know something out of the um, Star Wars or something and apply it because they're they're completely unrelated really
0: yeah and it really is just the power of the word. Calling or called is what draws people to that verse, and it it has it in there. Right. It's it's all about. We're we're just looking through the Bible for callings now, like because right. we need a called man. So we're just looking for that. And
1: it, yeah, and this isn't even this isn't even really the good calling. I mean, you get right. called. I mean, you stay stay if you're a, a, a servant or a slave, stay a slave. If you're free, stay free. If you're circumcised, stay circumcised. If you're single, all the things. Yeah that's not even like the best calling in the Bible. I mean, no. the best calling in the Bible is you're called to Christ. Right. And yeah, that's, let's get called. That's all of us get called because yes. that's, and that's really the way the Bible uses the word call. Most of the time is that you are called, uh, first of all, verbally to say, you know, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. and, there's that verbal call or invitation, you might say. And then there's this, um, this call, the internal call that's external. The internal call is the Holy spirit, you know, essentially grabs you and pulls you to Christ and Mm -hmm. he calls you to Christ. Now that's a good call. And that's a call that belongs to everyone who is in Christ, not everyone, but everyone who is in Christ. And so that is really what I would hope that, um, People would would get out of the word calling. Yeah, is really that recognize that it's a much broader term than the ministry.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Well, you've been a pastor at a church for thirty years now. I won't make you say your age if you don't want to. But oh,
1: I can tell. Well. When people my age they don't go 49, they say I'm 39. Right. <laughs> they, they fudge even more. Um, yeah. No, I've, uh, I, so you're saying that makes me a called man? Well,
0: I, I would like to know what well,
1: it probably doesn't make me a called man in
0: the terms that, that you would have used before. Not in the terms I would have used before. No, but you
1: wouldn't know that. No, whether I got that. Yeah. No, you know, supernatural experience or not. Right. Right. But yeah. you wouldn't know, it, but you wouldn't believe me. If I told you,
0: well, I, <laughs> I I would have questions. I just I would like, right, but like, but
1: you wouldn't know what question to ask, Because right. because there is no criteria for that, really, right? So here's here's my call to ministry. This is this is what I tell people when they say, "What was how you know how did you get called to ministry?" Right. So I don't think anybody gets called to ministry this way except for me because I'm special. <laughs> so I uh, um, I was actually studying to be a doctor. And I I got my bachelor's degree and was on a wait list to get into medical school and was um uh, going to um uh, do that. I'd had already had by then what uh one, two I'd already had four knee surgeries and I was what, twenty uh two or something. I mean I, there that was uh you could tell what was coming in my old age, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I was on a wait list. And my, my advisor said, Oh, that wait list will move, you know, just hang in there. It'll be all great. And, uh, during that time I ended up watching this TV show, this really, you know, class B TV show that, was so bad that it didn't even stay on the network because it just wasn't good enough for people to watch. But I happened to be watching it this afternoon and the person I was watching with it, the the premise of the show was that there were these uh, Southern California handsome guys that would come carry this big uh, check to people's front doors because they won the lottery. And so for the news or for the TV, there would be this big picture and say, you won a million dollars. And then they would tell the story, the fictional story. So that's part of why it wasn't a very good story is because they just made up all the things um, about what happened to those people's lives if, when they got a million dollars. And so they got a million, you know, they got a million dollars. The person that I was watching with just looked at me and said, well, what would you do if you got a million dollars? And that really is not, I mean, that's a good conversational question. But in that moment, we were thinking about how it changes everybody's life. And so I just immediately said, well, I'd go to seminary. Mm. And I just could hardly breathe in oh I gasp and said, that means I'm going into medicine just for the money. Mm. Uh, anybody that goes into medicine for just for the money, number one is, you know, is uh, not very smart because there's a lot of uh, um, pain and frustration that comes with that money. And number two, I'm going in it cause I'm greedy and that's not good either. Okay. I'm going to go to seminary. That's just a, I'm just going to do that. And I just changed right there yep. and said, so I'm going to go into ministry. And, um, so does that constitute a vision from the Lord? It was a vision from, I think, ABC, right. but I don't know if it's a vision from the Lord, right. but it was pretty clear direction for my life. And how supernatural was it? Does it qualify? I don't know, but I did. I went off to the seminary and that was, it took about 18 months for me to get out here. So this is the other part. This might be more supernatural, but Mm -hmm. we um, we didn't have any money. Like, how are you going to a seminary? You have no money, and you're not going to be a doctor, so you're never going to have any money. But uh, what are you going to do? And so, uh, you know, I was advised, why don't you send this? This will this will tell you I'm not 39. Why don't you send three by five cards (laughs) to various churches? in the mail <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and tell them seminary student will work for rent. So I said, okay, I'll send, I'll, uh, we'll send out these three by five cards. And we sent out 44, I think three by five cards of 44 different churches in Portland area. We had to go again to the yellow pages to find their addresses. So right. anyway, we had to do all this uh, old school way. And we heard back from some people, you know, say he give a 24 hour care, to my invalid grandparents, or mm-hmm. we got some that said manage apartment complex and different things. And that was the best we had. So we we put money down in an apartment. And um, then the, the Tuesday before we left, this woman in West Lynn said, well, why don't you live in my basement and clean my house? I'm going back to work. My kids are older and that'd be great. And I didn't know anything about it, except that in Montana where I was, the basements had these little tiny windows at the top. And that meant I had three years underground like a mole, right. and I, said, I don't really want to do that, but I'll take your number. So I took her number. Anyway, we get long story short. Well, long story long. But I guess <laughs> still a long story isn't it? Sorry about that. We go to um, uh, we go to, to the apartment, and it was in a different city. And we got there in the middle of the night, and we crashed on the floor. And we got up and I looked out the window, and I looked at the people, and I thought those people are not like people in Montana. These people are like scary people, and. <laughs> it's my job if I'm the apartment complex manager here to get their money and they're scary people. I don't want to do that. And I said, I wonder if I got the number for that woman in Westland. And I called her and, and I did. And we went and turns out it took a couple hours for her to get it ready. But we went there and looked at it. And it had like 1,800 square feet and a newly remodeled kitchen, two bedrooms, a fireplace. They left their pool table down there for us, a player piano. They left their <laughs> t- their TV hooked up to their cable. And we said, oh, dear, you know, what? Uh, what's this going to be? Said, well, our covenants restrictions don't let us charge rent. So, how do you give us pay us seventy five dollars a month for our utilities? And we said, done. Yeah, and bet. we moved in that afternoon. And then we said, okay, we're from Montana. We don't want to drive in the city. What's the What's the closest church to our apartment? And on the very first Sunday we were in town, we came to this church where we're recording right now. Yeah, and um. I came uh, as a regular person to the church and we met friends and we stayed here and became members, became a part time youth pastor and full time youth pastor, associate pastor, and been the senior pastor for more than 30 years. Now, yeah. that uh, feels more supernatural to me than my TV program. Yeah. yeah. But still not in any, but still categorically different than what you're saying Walter should have had or I would have had to convince Walter.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I do think it's important because that, I mean, that does sound like God was working in -hmm. in your life through that. But I do think it's important that we don't say that it's either what the follower's idea of a calling was, or that we say that just anybody can do it either. You know, I I do think there is, um, I do think there is a call on on a person's life. If, If, God wants them to pastor a church, I do think that there is a call for that. But I don't think that it's uh, anything like what I thought it was when I was at Followers.
1: Yeah, I part of me wants to argue with you about that. In other words, I mean, there is a sense in which, uh, you know, I think anybody could do what I do. So the call part of it probably is, would anybody want to do what I want to do? I think, and that's, it's really at that level because I, I don't think anybody should because it's not, you know, it's not that great of a gig all the time. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just, uh, it comes with pain and frustration and patience and uh, hard work and, and you know, a lot of preparation and expense and all that. But, it has, um, y- you know, the way that I view it is is it is an extension for me, mm-hmm. of what God has called all of us to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. God wants God wants me to be involved in the Great Commandment, and the Great Commission, just like He does you. Yes, so I say I say yes to that, and then what? And then um, I do what I can and realize, okay, I would love to get more training. I I had that opportunity at that point in my life, so I took it and I said yes. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And I just kind of kept stepping into the next thing. And the Lord continued to, to say, you know, there was a time when he said no. I mean, it was like, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you this, because it is germane to our conversation, which yeah. I, it, it, now we're going to be off on a rabbit trail. But it's one <laughs> of my favorite things is I was at school, and the church here, the one that I've been pastoring for 30 years now, Um, had lost their pastor. He had, he had resigned, he was done. And that happened fairly frequently back then. And so I had, um, I just thought, well, the, the, the wife of the chairman of the board said, you kind of elbowed me. You should maybe think about being the pastor. Well, that was like all I needed to think, oh, I could do that. Oh yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And but our church bylaws said you have to be ordained, which is a whole process of sort of ratifying or checking out, am I qualified? And I so I didn't understand that at the time. And I asked I asked one of my professors, I said, if so, they that seems dumb. They want, you know, somebody yeah. to be ordained. What does that even mean? He said, I'll tell you what it means, Scott. I said, Okay, what? He said, "Means they don't want someone like you to be their pastor." That was what he said straight up to me. It's like, okay. <laughs> so, there I had an anti-call for a moment. There right? you go. It yeah. was. It wasn't just a call. It was an anti-call, and it was uh, sort of a heads-up that yeah, you're not going to be able to fake your way in here, and there's going to have to be some external um, sort of ratification or some other people with eyeballs on whether or not you should be, uh, your, your number one, your your character is such and your doctrine is such that you can be, you know, no one ever asked, did you have a supernatural experience that in, that would qualify you to be a pastor? It was, you know, is your character um, such that you can, you know, can you mm-hmm. do the things necessary, like kind to preach and do some things that they heard? I mean, were there people that could say, I did the other things, you know, like counsel or, run programs or whatever else pastors do. And then um, what did my doctrine line up? And so they gave right. me this sort of really in, intense, you know, you might think of it like a CPA exam or a lo- bar exam for a lawyer. I mean, this second right. level sort of ratification that yes, in fact, it's okay if yeah. you're a pastor. And yeah. that, and so when I was ordained, after I was ordained, then that pastor, the pastor that got the job when they, didn't want me. Um, He also resigned. And then the church called me to be their pastor um, after I had been ordained. So there you go. That's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. That's that's
0: great. Well, (laughs) well, I I don't think that's really a rabbit trail at all. I mean, I think we can read um, in the Bible, in 1 Timothy, in Titus, about qualifications for elders and mm-hmm. uh, church leaders and things like that so i think ordination is probably it's probably a good thing i guess well i, and I think you know, you know
1: i mean it, i think it does answer the question that you started asking can you fake it right see i mean they right. there was a process in place so yeah. that i wouldn't fake it so that i wouldn't um you know either claim something that wasn't true or try and do something i wasn't able to do and so the the process was a good, you know, it was a good and fair process. And I think that's some of what maybe was lacking yeah. in the, the whole story that you began with when there was no way other than somebody's word for it that they were called.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's good. Well, you mentioned when you were talking there about um, that you thought that you I can't remember exactly how you said it, but that you're called in the same way that I'm called. And and that was something that is argued a lot at followers. Like when you read something like the Great Commission mm-hmm. uh, at mm-hmm. the end of Matthew, and uh, the argument is that Jesus is only talking to his 11 or 12 disciples yeah. there at that time, mm-hmm. or is he talking to everyone when uh, okay. he says that. So. It says, uh, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so I heard my whole life growing up that that was just for those men and I could never understand like what and and then what? And then when they die, then God calls a new group of men to to do the same. I mean, the church wouldn't have lasted very long.
1: No, it, or you'd sit around and wait for somebody like you, right. you were doing, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, in some respect, yes, it does tell us that the eleven gathered it with does. him. Yeah. But then he you know, he does tip his hand that it's for more than just the 11, because, uh, you know, the very end there that you read it, and behold, I am with you always, okay, and that could still be to the 11, right? Yeah. To the end of the age. Okay, that extends beyond the lives of those 11 guys. Right. Just like that. Right. You know, really, end of discussion. Yeah. That then becomes a commission for the church, and guess what? It applies to me, yes, and it applies to you, and it applies yeah. to everyone who who claims to follow or be a disciple of Jesus themselves, because it is a call. It is a call yeah. for disciples to make disciples to make disciples, and and yeah. that is the way the church perpetuates, not through really you know clergy who you know blah 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 to. People who are non-clergy—that—that's right. not. It might be how it looks. That isn't really the way that Jesus intended for it to work, though.
0: Right. for For me to answer that question for myself, I had to go find it in the Bible. Though I, I had to know that it was—I I couldn't just take somebody's word for it that uh, that it wasn't just to the eleven that it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and so I I start reading in Acts and. Uh, a complaint comes up um, and the people are saying that the widows aren't being taken care of. And, and so the, the response from the church is to bring us bring us some men, there's some qualifications for it, bring us men. and, and they choose seven more to do what they say is waiting tables. like w- mm-hmm. we want to stick to preaching the word while these other men. And, and I thought, okay, so then it is just them preaching the word. But then you read on, and it's not that at all. Stephen is one of those men that are that are chosen, and he goes right into, in chapter 7, is just this amazing sermon mm-hmm. of uh, what he's, and it says he's filled with the Spirit. Uh, Philip is one of those men, and it talks about him doing great works, and mm-hmm. um, it, it says that all of them, so when Stephen then is killed for this speech that he gives, yeah, uh, they're all scattered. Then it says at that point, and and chapter eight, uh, verse four says, "Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word." Oh, so it was it was just like a light bulb moment for me when I read that too. Yeah, and and I don't mean just read that verse, but read the whole context of that, and and that is what happened. It's not talking about the eleven or the twelve at that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's talking about all who were scattered.
1: Yeah one one way that I've heard people talk about it is that uh, this is back to well it's just the church runs on regular doesn't need premium it just runs on regular okay. you know and and really it just re- it's the everyday ordinary faithfulness of regular people who will cross a fence or across a you know coffee maker at work or whatever just continue to you know make disciples so yeah, yeah it runs on regular
0: yeah yeah. It's- That's good. Um, There was another uh, person in the Bible, Apollos, that was really helpful for me because um, I remember reading about him first in, in Corinthians. I just think it's, it's important. This is the part where they're, they're talking about um, people who are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and
1: well, and just let me stop yeah, you there. Yeah. I mean, they had the same problem that you were describing at yeah. the very beginning, is that they they had their man. Right. And I'm gonna stick with my man. Right. Right. Okay, go ahead. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There are people at followers right now who say, I don't need to hear about what Walter said because I never knew him, but Paul is my apostle. And I'm like, You're huh. You're doing exactly what Paul's saying not to do oh, so when I'm you do that. I'm, I'm of, of Walter. Paul. I'm, I'm a, Walter.
1: I'm yeah. of Apollos, right?
0: Yeah. So, anyway, I, I think just to before I say what um, what my thoughts were about Apollos, Paul, what Paul says about Apollos um, in verse nine, he, um, what then is Apollos? So I'm sorry. In verse five, chapter three of First Corinthians. Um, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Uh, So then, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor for we are God's fellow workers. I when when Paul that was meaningful to me to read when Paul said that he and Apollos were fellow workers it it was it kind of leveled the playing field. It either I, I don't know if elevating Apollos isn't the idea. It, it's that's what Paul's trying not to do, but it it let me know that Apollos Paul looked at him almost as an equal they had similar jobs here they they
1: well here i mean here's the equal right and you yeah. just you read it but yeah. you you it just said he neither he who um, so he who plants and he who water neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything right so it isn't like elevating it's like right we're both at the bottom yeah. you know really
0: yeah yeah and then they go on to talk about how they they are just they are just laying the foundation, and that we need to build on that foundation, which is Jesus. And it's it's not we're not in need of God to call a new man to come and lay the foundation again. The foundation is laid. Mm-hmm. We just need to be building on that. But mm-hmm. um, the the other point about this is that, and Apollos will come up again, but it's that it can't be something that. You learn. You can't teach it, and you can't learn it from from a man. And you you meant like people who people who go to seminary are in the followers' eyes are automatically disqualified mm-hmm. from preaching the word. It's it's just they're, They look at it the same way you looked at. I was going to go be a doctor for the money. Mm-hmm. They look at it like anyone who's going to seminary is wanting to preach the word of God for for money. Uh, well, you know what
1: they say about that, right? I don't. <laughs> Anybody who goes into the ministry for the money doesn't have the intellectual qualifications <laughs> for the job. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that helped, but that's, <laughs> that I keep that in the back of my mind all the time.
0: Well, I I just I think that it's when we say that it can't be taught or learned the. The Bible says something completely different than that. And so if we we remember what Paul just said about Apollos, and then we read about Apollos in Acts 18, um, verse 24 says, uh, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And Priscilla and Aquila, you can read about them in Acts. They're a married couple that they're not called to preach in the way that we're talking about. They don't, mm-hmm. they're not apostles. They're,
1: they're not maybe even educated. They're tent makers. Yeah, they're tent makers. And they work with their hands.
0: And and they come and explain to someone who is full of the spirit, it says. Has here, the call of God. Has would the think. call of God. Yeah. And they explain to him. I think it's a timing thing. I think he just, my understanding is that Apollos just didn't know that the things that were going to happen had already happened with Jesus' death and resurrection. I I, I don't know, but that's, when it says he only knew the baptism of John, that was when he was preaching to, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. So I don't know exactly what that means. Well, you
1: you do know that he did need some education. Yeah, he did. And you do know that some tent makers who work with their hands were the ones who educated him. It came from other people. Yes, not directly by divine revelation. In other words, he was already functioning as a preacher before right. he had it right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and and then there's um, Timothy again in Second Timothy. Paul is writing to him, and Timothy was not an apostle uh, in in the same way that Paul or the original twelve mm-hmm. were. But Paul writes to him, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so I just don't, I don't see how we can even make an argument that it's not something that you can just learn from other men or Mm -hmm. when Paul is telling Timothy to do just that, teach other men.
1: Number one, you learned it from me. So yeah. one man taught another mm-hmm. man, then go ahead and teach other people, who then can teach other people, who then can teach other people. Right. Which is, again, right. very much what we talked about with the Great Commission, yeah. is make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Keep this thing going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we have we have the one way that—I'm not making an accusation that the, that a calling was fake. I'm not saying that, that it was fake, but we right. have a way that you can— understand a calling that can be faked it, it just okay. can be Okay. Um, and then you have another way where it it seems like it's more biblical and it seems like that over time too you see the fruits of it so that's, that's what I kind of just maybe to, to wrap up is how do you know if someone if their calling is true if, mm-hmm. if they're where they're supposed to be and doing what they're supposed to be doing
1: Okay. You want me to answer that? Sure. <laughs> I would say you, you, that I would answer that the same way. Well, I would just answer it by suggesting that people do what we've been doing in this conversation Yeah, is go back to the word. I mean, for instance, if I say my call is true, but nobody can teach anybody or nobody can learn it or another way. And, and you can go to second Timothy two, one and say, but entrust us to faithful men but teach each other's also, and that's different than what I said. Yeah. That's that's not a good sign for me, right? Right. right. And so I would say just continue to, um, you know, as people go back and they look at the scriptures, does it match up? As they look at the fruit of a person's life, if they look at the character that I was mentioning earlier, uh, all of those things are the, essentially those are the things of Christian ministry. Yeah. Not Christian clergy, but Christian ministry. Right. And so that can... I think that can fit uh, a lot of different, have a lot of different looks, let me say.
0: Yeah. So I am going to ask you just because I've confessed to not asking before, but just clarify what you mean by the word clergy. Okay. That's not a familiar word to me. I mean, I've heard it and I think I know what it is, but it's.
1: I mean, clergy, uh, clergy, what I mean by clergy is vocational uh, ministers. Okay. You know, or in our case, a vocational elder. Mm-hmm. I mean, in other words, I, I do it for my livelihood. Right. Um, right. really probably more technically it's that you're ordained, mm-hmm. which is that process I described earlier. Right. Uh, you, cause I could, could be considered clergy could, I don't know, get clergy. There aren't any clergy benefits anymore, but if there were, <laughs> right. they would probably apply if you were ordained. So okay. that's probably the technical thing. Okay, and it would happen. That happens in lots of varieties of places, in you know Roman Catholicism and other other things too. There are there are even you know Muslim clergy.
0: Yeah, yeah. I came across one passage that I just think is really helpful, um, because, like I said, this idea of can you fake it or not, or or can anybody just do it? There are false prophets. I mean, there there just are and. And Jesus warns us about that. And I, in, in chapter 7 of Matthew, uh, starting in verse 15, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So even healthy trees bear good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. Nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So I think, I mean, I think that's kind of a a verse that backs up what you were saying. If, if what you're saying as a pastor or as a prophet, mm-hmm. uh, preacher, is different than what's in the Bible, then... The Bible tells you, Jesus tells you how to recognize that. And um, it, it just goes back to the importance of having the Bible be the ultimate authority in your mm-hmm. life, no matter what uh, supernatural calling someone well, might Well, you know,
1: it, again, that is, I, I would use a little different words, just mm-hmm. say the scripture rather than experience. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I could trust, you know, I trust Christ, but I have a hard life. Mm-hmm. And does, does my hard life or the difficulty I experience on a regular basis, you know, say that my faith in Christ is no good? No, because yeah. I'm not going to trust my experience or whether right. it's a supernatural vision. I'm not going to necessarily trust that. I'm going to yeah. go back to say, does it fit in with the Scripture, yeah. like you said? Yeah.
0: And Paul says as much in in Galatians too. Mm-hmm. When you read that, that that if. They come preaching another gospel. Even if I, Paul says, even if I do, or an angel from heaven comes preaching another gospel than what you've heard from me, mm-hmm. you know, let them be accursed. Is right. and I just think that that Paul is saying, let the scripture be the well, ultimate. Well, authority. that, and
1: if you're going to if you're going to talk about what Paul talks about, he said even Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. So, yeah. in, in talking about these false prophets, mm-hmm. it might look like a vision it might be great and it might still be false because that's one of the ways that satan deceives people yeah yeah that's true you still go back to what you said is that um you know recognize them by their fruit and um yeah yeah
0: and are they building on the foundation that is jesus that's the the key and and i do think the bible teaches us I, i didn't always think this but i do think the bible teaches us that that we are all supposed to be building on that foundation that it's not oh good, I'm glad you finally came around. Just uh, yeah, finally come around. And uh one of the songs that we would sing um, at followers is I love to tell the story. And and I think that it, it just just makes me think about if at in some ways of looking at it if why would you sing I love to tell the story if you don't think you have the qualification to tell, to tell the tell story. The story. Yeah. So, um yeah, it says, I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. And it just gets better as it goes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just I just hope that, you know, if, if there are people out there and they're singing that song, mm-hmm. that they're... Um, that they're moved to build on the foundation of Jesus and not wait for someone to come and...
1: Or not expect somebody else to do it. Yeah, don't expect someone else to do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good. No, I think this was a worthwhile topic to
1: explore. I'm glad glad you brought it up. All right, thanks.
0: Well, hopefully this has been helpful. If you have questions or comments or a topic that you would like us to cover, you can reach us at comments at onerightchurch.com, and for more information, you can visit our website, www.onerightchurch.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.